You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hello and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Locked On NHL. Need more hockey news? And Locked On NHL is here to fill the gap. It's our daily podcast on everything happening in the league. Subscribe and listen each day for a quick look at the biggest stories and game recaps each day. Subscribe to Locked On NHL today, wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Mary Clark, staff writer for The Win, and you can follow me on Twitter at Mary C. Clark. I'm here with Andrew Berkshire, NHL, NHL analyst for the Montreal Gazette, who you can follow on Twitter at Andrew Berkshire. On this Tuesday edition of the Crosscheck, we'll say our goodbyes to the Bruins and the Avalanche to close out the second round of the playoffs. Then we'll preview the four teams remaining, starting with the Islanders and Lightning out east, then the Golden Knights and Canadians out west, kinda. And finally, we'll wrap up with our pop culture roulette segment that we have every week. So Andrew, before we start off today's show, how you doing? I'm doing alright. We had another decent weekend, nice and warm, went out to the water park yesterday, had lots of fun with the kids, uh, Miles is starting to take steps, which is pretty fun. We didn't really get that with Dylan. He just like he would stand up from time to time, and then he just started walking at daycare only. And then one day he was like, "I'm running now." We were like, "Okay," but Miles is actually <laughs> taking a lot of steps at home, which is kind of nice. He was walking around the water park yesterday, getting water sprayed all over his face and laughing. It was fun. Oh, that sounds nice. I also spent time this weekend uh, with uh, some small children because my cousin was in town and um, her twins, who I had not met before uh it was we celebrated their i guess 11th month birthday because their actual birthday would be in july but they wanted to come in for june so we celebrated their birthday this weekend and thankfully it was on a saturday so i didn't have any hockey to worry about missing so i had a great weekend um i also did something else which we'll talk about in our pop culture segment but a very relaxing weekend with the family um got to go in the pool got to you know say hello to a bunch of family i haven't seen in some time so it's all good yeah, that, that's nice. I mean, it was kind of a nice weekend to have a break from hockey, right? Like, I would have liked yeah. to watch the Islanders-Tampa Bay game. I wasn't able to watch the whole thing uh, and didn't watch any of it live because afternoon games on the weekends are just a no-go. Like, <laughs> the, the kids can't stand, sit still for that long, so it's just yeah, it's not going to happen. So thanks, NHL, for starting off the uh, conference finals with an afternoon game. I know this is an yeah, American a... thing, but I, I despise it so much. It was a very interesting decision. Um, they do it all the time. And I don't. They do, and it was just very interesting that they like there was only one game on. It was it was over right when I started work, and I'm like, okay, this kind of sucks. Yeah, it does. Uh, but I guess uh, moving back just a little bit because the last time, the last show we had, we had missed two of the playoff series that were ending. Um, and that is the Boston Bruins and the Colorado Avalanche both bowed out of the playoffs to finish out the second round. Um, I guess we'll start with the first game that happens before our show dropped on last week. Uh, the Bruins bowed out to the Islanders um, in a 6-2 win uh, for New York. The Islanders won the series in six games. Um, yeah, I... I guess I'm not surprised with the way the Islanders have been playing personally because um, they've just been looked so good. But uh, oh, boy, I, I in that last game, I thought, oh, no, the Tuka Rask uh, comments and the Tuka Rask uh, debacle and, you know, controversy is going to come back because I know that's how Boston fans work. And yeah, uh, that was a really interesting game to watch. And I fear for Tuka Rask this offseason. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've said it before, like, every time something goes mildly wrong, 
Boston just goes nuts on Tuca. But, you know, he's an unrestricted free agent. Uh, apparently, he's going to need hip surgery, which is yeah. tough for a goaltender. Um, I've seen some speculation that he's possibly going to retire, which I think I think is a little bit just people reading too far into things. And that I think mm-hmm. sometimes Tuca comes across as like... Um, above it all in a way uh not not as a negative just like he doesn't uh seem too bothered by a lot of it and kind of ignores a lot of what people say but like this is a guy who at 34 years old now is his like his career is remarkable he has one of the top state percentages of all time and part of that's playing behind the vaunted boston bruins defense for his entire career Mm -hmm. but like it's one thing to say that maybe he doesn't want to play outside of Boston. And it's another thing to say that he might give up on like what? $20 million over the next three years. 20. Like, yeah. It, it's hard to say how much he wants that money. Like I'm, I'm sure he has a nice little nest egg for himself, but it's not like he's brought in an incomparable amount of money in his career either. You know what I mean? So like, mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of motivation left for Tukarask, especially with how long the Bruins have gone since winning, that I I don't see any point, or there's probably a point, he wants to spend his time with his young family, obviously, but I don't see Mm -hmm. a a strong argument in favor of him retiring right now, or maybe going back to Finland. Maybe he will, uh, but... Yeah, I mean, anything's possible. He's he's not going to be short of suitors, you know what I mean? Like, lots of teams want a goaltender like Tukarask. Sure. And I mean, I know Boston fans have a specific, or some of them, not all of them, have a specific perception of Tuka Rask not, you know, bringing it in the playoffs or big games when it matters. But the dude's been an incredible player for Boston for so long, and he's definitely one of the reasons why that they've had at least playoff success getting to the playoffs and stuff like that. Um, and I don't I don't see him moving on from Boston. I can't, I can't imagine it. But it is, like we said, it's very possible. I mean, COVID has changed a lot of the way people perceive um, what's important to them. And, I mean, it's very possible he could retire. Like you said, he has a young family. He may want to spend time with them. The money thing for me is probably why he won't. He's probably going to leave a bunch of money on the table if he does retire. Um, But there's still money to be made for him. And I know he's 34, but uh, it doesn't seem like the drop-off in play that comes for every goaltender past 30 uh, is going to hit him quite yet. Um, it's again, it's possible that I just jinxed it and he does uh, come back next year and he's not as good, but uh, I don't see it happening that quickly for somebody like him. He's just too good, been too dominant for so long. Um, and I think another one of the big uh, free agents in this offseason will be Taylor Hall. We talked to Rachel Dory a couple weeks ago now about Taylor Hall possibly staying and she was very adamant that it's very possible he will stay. Um, I think so, too. I think he's found himself a really good place there. But he is also another free agent that, if given, you know, a, a, a deal too sweet to resist, he might go somewhere else. But I, I think it would, you know, it would benefit Boston so much to do their best to keep those players this year. Yeah, I, I think Hall is the guy who is more likely to stay in Boston just because... You listen to his comments, and I think he's not really, like, um, burned too much in terms of, like, uh, going after the money all over his career. Like, he clearly went for the highest uh, payment this year on a one-year deal, but, like, his last deal wasn't that rich, $6 million a year through his mm-hmm. prime years. And in a flat cap circumstance, he's probably not going to get 
as much as you would as in a, in a typical free agent market, but he seems very focused on consistency and wanting to stay in one place where there's going to be a chance to win a cup for a long time. He clearly thinks Boston is one of those places. I don't yeah. think that Boston <laughs> has that much runway left. Like they might have one or two more years, but yeah, I mean, we've talked about it before yeah. that. I mean, even in the regular season, we had been talking that we didn't think that this Boston team, this could be their last year. I, I still think that they're going to, you know, keep finding ways to, continue to be good in much the same way Pittsburgh does because they, they're just like one of those teams they that they're just way. annoying and they won't yeah they find a way they find a way and especially with the the core they've assembled um but they are getting older and Brad Marchand did say that in his um exit interview comments and he is not wrong no he's I not mean, this yeah I mean we we know how old this team is they they do have some really good young players like Charlie McAvoy and David Pasternak but um the core of their team is I don't know the stats, but I would not be surprised if they're one of the older teams in the NHL uh, just based on, you know, age and stuff like that. And I mean, you've got, I'm just pulling it up right now. You got Patrice Bergeron at 35, David Krejci, 34, Kevin Miller, 33, Tuka Well, he's 34 now, but on hockey reference, he says he's 33. Brad Marchand's 32. Uh, so you've got a bunch of guys up there in terms of age, but they do have, you know, players like Charlie Coyle. Matt Grizzlick, uh, David Pasternak, like I said. Yeah, they've got Jake players in their primes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like a, it's an interesting mix, but I would not like the the core of what we think of the Boston Bruins, especially of the years past, is coming to an end. I mean, time comes for us all, Andrew. That's kind of kind of how it works out here, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think you look at what Brad Marchand was saying, and <clears throat> he's another player that is on a really really affordable contract. You know, like mm-hmm. that is. It is kind of frustrating from someone who doesn't like the Bruins to see like every single time that they have a situation where one of their big guys is up for a contract, it happens to be like either the cap's not gone up very much or that person just takes an incredible hometown discount like Bergeron did, Mm -hmm. like Marchand did. I mean, in a lot of respects, Pasternak did, even though it's a bridge deal. Uh, David Krejci is also an unrestricted free agent for them. Uh, I highly doubt that he's going to take up $7.25 million if they re-sign him. So they're yeah. they're a team that's not necessarily in flux, but ha- is ripe for potential change, right? You know, like Andre mm-hmm. Kasha, Kasha is a RFA. Is he even qualified? He's a really good hockey player, but man, that guy cannot stay healthy. So there's there's lots yeah. of things going on there, and you know, we're we're saying bye to the Bruins, but we should also give credit to to the Islanders, which I know you did, but I'm gonna oh, yeah. I'm gonna reiterate <laughs> like that team. Talk about they're like a bow constrictor, man. They just mm-hmm. they. Just wait for you to breathe out, and then they squeeze a little harder. And yeah, um, they're just incredible. Well, like, yeah, we'll talk more about them uh, because we will preview uh, their series against the Lightning uh, later on in the show. But yes, absolute props to them. They, like you said, Andrew, they squeezed Boston until it was over for them. And I, we, we've talked a lot about on the show about their style of play and how people don't find it very exciting. Um, but there is something to be said about. You know, they do have that scoring touch when needed. They can, they put teams away when needed. Yeah. And we have seen that in these playoffs. And I mean, they scored six goals. I think a couple of them, or at least one of them was an empty net for sure. But they scored six goals, in, or not six goals, three goals in the second period um, to really put this one out of the hands of Boston. And I mean, I just don't think we should, you know, 
when we talk about the Islanders, we should, you know, I guess be a little bit more respectful to their offensive prowess because it is there. They they have taken down top teams. I mean, a lot of that has been on their defense, but they can score. So. Yeah, they absolutely can. So what, uh, the uh, other team that went out was uh, the like an even bigger shocker than Boston, I think, for everyone. Oh, oh yeah. And mm-hmm. apparently a big shocker to Denver media as well <laughs> with the Colorado Avalanche bowing out in six games. Yeah, that was, um, I guess the writing was kind of on the wall uh, for them after they after they lost what two or like they lost like what four straight yeah they right? lost four in the series yeah but after after like i think their second loss i was kind of like oh no i think they're in trouble i mean we kind of talked about it that they were in trouble um and i think a big thing is we'll touch on the media comments in a second but i think a big thing is um you know missing nazim kadri yes he would have been back for game seven i think we said possibly game six but game seven i was trying to look it up last time and I couldn't do the math on the fly on this podcast correctly. So he would have probably, he would have been back for game seven, but you know, I mean, there is something to be said about him taking himself out of this playoff series. Um, I don't know if that was, that's, that's not the only reason that the avalanche lost this series, but they really could have used them. They could have used the second line center for sure. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's an important player to lose. And it's what the third time now that Nazem Kadri sat on the sidelines while his team is eliminated. It might just be the second. He might've come back for game seven one of the times but uh yeah it's yeah. uh it's starting to be the book on Nazem Kadri. uh I feel bad because I really like the player I think he's a really great player yeah. but it something goes haywire in his brain when the playoffs start and the intensity ratchets up and he just makes these stupid plays that he knows are wrong mm-hmm. and I understand why he tried to appeal the the suspension because why why wouldn't he if you can get a couple games yeah. shaved off playing the playoffs but uh, that that mm-hmm. killed it man like it, it, it's brutal. I, I feel really bad for him. I feel bad for the Colorado Avalanche that, again, and in he's the second round, they're missing himself, a really important player. And he's going to cost himself. I mean, he was in part part of the reason why the Avalanche did not win this or did not advance because they did not have a second line center. Yep. But eventually it'll cost him money. Oh, absolutely. A, a spot in the NHL, perhaps. I don't know his contract situation, uh, but... It's definitely something people are thinking about now. Um, he still has time, obviously, to change that the way people perceive him for sure but he needs to get a cooler head in the playoffs i mean we all know it and i think he especially knows it and let's see if it sticks it's like one of those things like a tom wilson thing where tom wilson has consistently said he needs to be smarter when making hits and, and it doesn't happen yeah. and uh, i'm pretty sure nazim kadri has also said that he needs to you know this isn't going to happen again i guarantee it something to that effect I'm, i won't do this again and it has happened again so you just have to think a little bit more when you're out on the ice. But I guess speaking of not thinking, um, there was I, I, you want to talk about you. I know you're going to want to talk more about this, Andrew. Yeah. Uh, I don't really have much to say about uh, these comments uh, from uh, uh, Avalanche media member Adrian Dater, who uh, I'm not really a big fan. of. No, I mean, I don't think anybody. But I mean, I'm sure he has some fans, but there's there's a few. I feel somewhat bad. I know that it was originally clipped by Pete Blackburn and then Adrian went after mm-hmm pete as well and pete just kind of held his own and then got blocked by adrian but like i I feel a little bit bad because i know that uh like i've made fun of adrian dater a lot online before and i was told by a certain media member who will remain nameless to (laughs) to please stop it because he's he struggles with uh with alcoholism with which i believe he's come out with before and he went into rehab yeah but uh he sounded not right when he asked Mm -hmm. his question in the media availability for Nathan McKinnon. Um, I hope that he's not 
lost his sobriety, but at the mm-hmm. same time, man, he just he just conducts himself in such an unprofessional manner, and it doesn't even it's yeah. not even restricted to stuff in the on the job. I mean, he's been caught harassing women in DMs before. I mean, this was years ago. It, it was years this was ago. Back when I was, like, this is this a was back when I was in college. Right? This was back when I was in college yeah. and just really starting out yeah. uh, in the hockey media world. So I'm at least, uh, I've been aware of this for a very long time. Yes. Um, and th- and... It's a pattern of behavior that this guy's a clown, mm-hmm. right? And I think he's proven over time. A clown at, 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 at best, yes. I guess you can say. At best. So, so but I mean, I don't want to have to go through the quote here, but he, you know, it wasn't a very good quote. I'm not even sure what the question was supposed to be. Um, trying to ask McKinnon about, I guess, if they're thinking too much when they play on the ice, if they just need to not think and just play. But McKinnon's I mean, answer was hilarious. And McKinnon just was like a silence and then just said no. And then that was it. <laughs> uh, it was pretty, pretty funny. Uh, but I've been there. I've made like very, very, I've had very, very bad questions when interviewing people like players in locker rooms. For sure. Like, I think, I think we've all been there. Um, but part of it is you have to kind of own it. I mean, like, like he and he did not own it no. on Twitter. He was lashing out at people, and like, I get the need to defend yourself, but like, he could have just not said anything if that was the way you felt. That's just my opinion on it. Or just um, be like, my but, bad. I started stumbling over my words. I couldn't form the question in my mind very well. Yeah, stuff happens. You know, like everybody's asked yeah. a bad question. Every yeah, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has their off days. Um, and I get it. Like, I mean, like I said, we've both been there. I don't know about you, Andrew, but we've definitely, I've definitely been there, you know, thought I was going to ask a very good question and then it didn't come out the way I wanted it to. And then coach or a player looks at me like I have three heads and I don't know what I'm talking about. And then it makes me feel bad as, you know, a woman in sports is like, I gotta, I gotta know my stuff, but it happens to the best of us. And I mean, you just, you have, you kind of have to own it at that point. But, uh, that's like, I, I don't want to take away from the avalanche game at all, but that kind of seems to be like the prevailing thing that's come from this series is that, you know, a terrible question and the aftermath of that quote. Um, but good on the golden Knights here oh, for, for sure. making it past. Yeah. I mean, they were afraid. We'll, like I said, series, you know, like they started, like I said, slow, we'll talk but, about ooh. it. Yeah. We'll talk about it a bit more when we start to preview that series. But I mean, we had criticized, aren't we'd criticized the decision to play uh, Robin Leonard in game one, or at least I did, I did on too. this podcast. And, uh we were wrong or at least i was wrong i mean well were we though maybe it would have gone I, quicker i mean i mean they rested flurry and I he's guess. been good and i mean we talked about it later that like um the golden knights were coming off of a seven game series and the avalanche had rest and they took their lumps in game one but they had majority outplayed the avalanche in this series and i i think that looking back now i mean it could have gone very wrong for them but looking back now that was i think a smart move because not that they gave in in game one but it was going to be a tough game for them regardless just because they had played that long series against minnesota so at least in part i was wrong i'll i'll say it for me you don't have to say it andrew but I definitely no, think I, I was a little bit in the wrong for <laughs> Fine, fine. I guess that's how it's going to be on this podcast. Um, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah. But it is interesting what the Colorado Avalanche will have to do in the future because we all thought this was their year. I thought it was their year. I'm sure you did too. I don't I don't remember how, what you picked because yeah. it was so long ago. Yeah, but they were my, I they think were my it, pick for the at least the final. Yeah. I mean, and they were my pick, I think, going back even to the preseason. Mm-hmm. So... I think they're going to have some questions to face in part, you know, Nazem Kadri, in part, maybe, you know, 
more goaltending help, perhaps. Because um, Grubauer had, I don't think he had the best series in some respects. No, he was um, like, I think about five goals below average or four and a half. Yeah. So I think that they may have some questions in that too. Um, but they they do have a bright future there. I mean, I don't think it's going to be, it's not over for them in like any sense of the word. No, they're in a good spot. It it will be difficult for them, you know, uh, the further this goes on, because, you know, they're going to have to start play, paying their players, like, you know, the Kale McCars and their younger players. Um, so it, it will get more difficult for them, but I think that they're going to be able to keep this intact. I think they just need to add more pieces like a goaltender and maybe... You know, I don't. I don't know if they'll explore the Nazem Kadri thing, but just stuff like that is, I think, they could possibly work on. Yeah, I mean, I know that we we talked to Steve Dangle a couple of weeks ago about, and uh, he he always talks about the Nazem Kadri trade that Nazem Kadri traded Nazem Kadri, and it might mm-hmm. be the same situation over again. I mean, he might get another yeah. chance in Colorado. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent next uh, next summer, twenty twenty two. So uh, we'll see. I think the Avalanche have every opportunity to just run it back. Uh, I think they have a great team. There have been like some mentions, not just Dater, but other people in their media, I think for the Denver Post, talking about how like this team choked again. And it was like, well, last year they lost their goaltender. And then they lost, I think they lost their second goaltender as well. They were playing like Michael Hutchinson in game six and seven against Dallas. Oh, yeah. Uh, this year, I think you can say that they were the better team and they lost, but also Vegas. The Golden Knights were just as good. Like yeah, he tied I mean this was this in the regular season, so it's like this could have been the Stanley Cup final yeah. for all that we yeah. I, I, I think mean it like gone seven, I, but I just I struggle with putting the choker label on a team that faces yeah. a team just as good as them. It's not like they were playing the Detroit Red Wings and lost. You know, it, it's I think just maybe the way the series played out with them losing four straight after winning yeah what, their first six. I can see that. Um, I can see it being a little reactionary in that regard, but I don't think that, I mean, obviously they're not satisfied with this result, but I don't think that they're chokers in any sense. I just think they, you know, fell down to earth a little bit, hit a bit of a brick wall with Vegas and weren't able to make it to seven. And that's kind of, if this series had gone seven, I don't think that they'd be labeled like, I don't think the chokers label would be on them because I think it, it could have possibly lost a heartbreaker and that could have been the narrative surrounding this team but i don't think that this is a choking team we're not we're not at you know toronto levels here by any means no not at all poor toronto yeah anyway no sorry sorry (laughs) toronto and sorry for colorado for jinxing it because i feel like i jinxed it a couple weeks ago or at least last week so i guess i have to get that in there before we move on to i guess talking about the third round is what's going to be coming up next um after we talk to you a little bit about a few things important to us one of those things is rock auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models of cars, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing only the brand his warehouse happens to carry? With rockauto.com, you have access to their auto parts at home on your computer and in your pocket on your phone. rockauto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. I'm probably going to be taking advantage of Rock Auto because I got a new car. And I'm going to be, you know, doing some trips to visit friends, visit some family. Um, The car I'm getting from my uncle is pretty much a pretty an old car. Uh, And my uncle's kept a, you know, it in good shape. But I might want to do a bit of a few things to it. And Rock Auto is probably the place where I'm going to go for that. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. 
Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us, box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com So, Andrew, we've got third round playoffs after a couple day break, which was nice. I mean, we talked about it at the beginning that it was nice to get a few days break from hockey because it has been, feels like a marathon sprint to get here. Things have gone really fast. We haven't had like a whole ton of like game sevens, which has been unfortunate, but First series we're going to talk about here is the New York Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning, who've already played one game, as you listen to this, and the Islanders took game 1-2-1, and the big takeaway for me was that uh, Vasilevsky gave up that awful third, that awful goal in the third, which eventually became the game winner for uh, the Islanders, so unfortunate, um, and I guess we'll talk a little bit about how the Islanders were able to stop the Lightning from doing Lightning things like they always do. Yeah, I mean, I watching the game uh, after it was over on like replay or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I was uh, pff, honestly blown away by how well the Islanders forecheck was able to capitalize on the Lightning in that game. Not just in terms of scoring goals, but uh, just creating chances, creating turnovers. They just really bottled them in, and not to say that the Lightning didn't get chances. Uh, they did. They absolutely had a lot of glorious chances. But uh, Varlamov was up to the task. I actually thought, despite the weak goal by Vasilevsky in the first and second periods, like he really made some spectacular saves mm-hmm. uh, to keep that game close as well. It was a bit of a goalie duel in some respects. But Tampa Bay kind of got caught by a team doing their own thing to them. You know, like they mm-hmm. they won the shot share battle, but New York the New York Islanders had much better high quality opportunities at even strength, and because the Islanders are such a disciplined team. I just wonder if Tampa Bay's power play is going to be as big of a factor in this series. Like we heard Boston complain about the New York Saints instead of the New York <laughs> Islanders. I wonder if we're going to start hearing John Cooper talking about the same thing because if they can't draw calls, it's going to be a rough series for Tampa Bay. Yeah, I think the Islanders like they're just the way they choke teams off at at uh, at even strength. It, it's tough to get through them, and as soon as they get a little lead, like it's really hard to come back and. If they're not going to get the power play opportunities, it's going to be a really difficult series for the Lightning. It was much different than how it started last year. Yeah, I was going to say it was 8-2 Tampa Bay took uh, game one last year. Because if you guys remember, I know it was was less than a year ago because it happened in like uh, the late summer. But uh, these two faced off in the Eastern Conference final, uh, as it was called back then. It is not now. It's, was it the Stanley Cup semifinals now, I think? something weird like that because there's no uh there's no conferences um but yeah it was very different than how it ended up last year and i'll be interested to see if that is you know how this goes i mean if that like you said the islanders are able to choke the lightning and keep them away from those high danger chances and keep them from doing things that they do so well and you know if they don't get those power play opportunities it could very well be in trouble um but I, game two will be interesting for me. I'm really excited to see if John Cooper makes any adjustments to the way Tampa Bay plays just a little bit, just to maybe get more pressure on them. Because I think, like, we've seen how well they can score. And they just need those chances and they need those opportunities. If they don't have the power play, that's going to be rough, though. Because I, I don't know their full statistics, but it feels like Tampa Bay gets a lot of their points on the power play. Especially in the playoffs where it seems that, like, uh, power plays are such a premium 
uh, with the way it's called. Uh, it feels like they score like at least once every game. Uh, yeah, I think their power play is clicking around. Yeah, forty-two percent, including last night yeah. where they went one for two. Yeah, yeah. It always seems that there's at least one goal. You can like always count it. It feels like there's always at least one goal for them. Um, and in a lower penalized series, that might be one of their avenues of scoring might be shut off. Um, but I am, I am looking forward to the series because I do like a rematch of sorts. Um, so I don't know about you, Andrew, because I I know you missed that first game. But did you? Like what you saw, are you going to keep up with this series, do you think? Oh, I mean, absolutely. Partly because it's our job, right? We've got to keep up I was with this series. But uh, I'll definitely be watching every game that I can. Uh, I, I love watching the Lightning play. I don't love watching the Islanders play. But <laughs> I do appreciate their style of play in the abstract. Uh, it's hard to watch at times. But they are a very good team, very well-coached team. Their discipline is extraordinary. And their commitment to the system is extraordinary. And if they can take the lightning down a notch, I don't think many people will complain, actually, because I think a lot of folks are kind of tired of the lightning. I, no, it's that's so interesting that it's been such a that it shifted so fast. Oh, yeah. The I mean, they're, Everybody they're was rooting for them last year. I think and then now this year, it's like, like oh, they Nikita suck. Kucherov, I don't right? like them. Ah, uh, it's like Nikita. It's always the Nikita cap circumvention. Right. There's Kucherov that. And factor. also like Nikita Kucherov, amazing player. But he is one of the biggest whiners in the league. Uh, constantly <laughs> whining, and also just like if when the Lightning are losing, he becomes the dirtiest player. Like he's mm. so sneaky, dirty, and he never gets caught for it. And so when when somebody is not only a great player, but then also there's like speculation that the Lightning cheated to get o- over the cap into the playoffs. And it's that not player, cheating; I, it's I, in I know the rules. I know. They just bent That's the rules. Speculation, but anyway. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, I'm just saying. From what I heard, Nikita Kucherov could have played the last month of the season. But anyway. He didn't. <laughs> uh, and then also that player is like super dirty and whiny. And I, I, I find it very easy to hate on the Lightning, but I do also like they're a fantastic team to watch. And you can't knock them for circumventing the cap if they did, because if they didn't get caught, it's within the rules and you should have done mm-hmm. it, too. Don't be upset that their GM is better than your GM. <laughs> you know, like it's yeah, just the way exactly. it is. So I, I, I love the Lightning to watch. I understand why a lot of people are done with them and why they're easy to hate. But uh, I'm looking forward to this series. I think that uh, the the big thing that I'm looking at in this series is can the Lightning get their power plays, which we've mentioned. Even in the last game, they didn't really get much. They got two power plays, and they still made – like, Braden Point mm-hmm. still managed a way to score. I don't know if there's a better playoff player in the world than Braden Point. Yeah. I mean, dude is like – he's just – he's out of this world. He and he was in – wasn't he put on waivers this year? Or am I thinking – No, you're thinking else? Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson, okay. No, Braden Point is the one that everyone was like, you'll never be able to sign Braden Point. He's going to make $10 and, million. Dollars. And he's going to like, mm-hmm. no, I'll make six. Like, yep. Yeah, thanks, oh. Tampa Bay. Oh, Tampa Bay is just too good. But going back to what you had said earlier, you should put some respect on Matt Barzell's name. Oh, absolutely. Dude has been, dude has, dude has been lighting it up in his last uh, handful of games. I mean, going back to, uh, I think, game two of the Boston series, he has one, two, four, six, Seven points in his last, I think, six games. And dude's just been lighting it up. And he had that goal, uh, that opening goal for the Islanders. He's been a treat to watch. And like I was saying earlier in the in the podcast about how these these Islanders do have a scoring touch, I think that all that stems from like like players like Matt Barzell, who yeah. future like one of the future stars of this league, I think. I think dude's got an incredible future uh, ahead of him. And it's just been really fun watching him 
click these playoffs after, you know, not really getting it going against Pittsburgh. I mean, he had, I think, three points in that Pittsburgh series and then wasn't really, you know, there for the beginning of the Boston series. But then he started to click these past like six, six or seven games, it seems like. And I've, I've been really enjoying watching him play. He's just super fun, electric out there on the ice, making passes, making incredible moves. Dude's a, dude's a wonderful player. And it's really awesome to watch somebody like that. Yeah. You know, put it up against the Tampa Bay Lightning, who, as we talked about, are no slouches either in terms of, you know, their goal scoring capabilities and their talent overall. I think Matt Barzell is a player that we would probably talk about differently on a day to day basis if the Islanders played a different system that uh, mm-hmm. more favored his uh, variety of creative goal scoring and uh, playmaking. He he is limited by what they do, but I think he the fact that he buys in, you know, it's just a testament to how good of a player he is that he's able to play defensive style hockey and continue to be a fantastic transition player and playmaker. And the goal scoring's come in too. You know, he's only got the one twenty goal season, but his last two he seasons have hit, were shortened, and he would have hit twenty both. Yeah, of them. he would have hit twenty goals in the twenty nineteen twenty season because yeah. he was. At, I'm looking at it now. He was, he was at, at 19. nineteen goals <laughs> this year. Seventeen um, and fifty five. Yeah, and he would have hit it in the pandemic um, cutoff season. Um, had obviously we played that last month yeah. of the season, he absolutely would have hit that. Um, but dude is basically a twenty goal scorer and um, point per game, nearly player. guaranteed. Yeah, nearly guaranteed. Um, and it's great to see him, you know, I guess get his like, I guess like, you know, welcome to the NHL playoffs moment. Like, um, it's really cool to see him do this on this type of stage because I don't know what he was like. Um, if I can pull it up and stall long enough and, uh, to see what he did in, you know, past playoff performances. <laughs> He's been almost point a game the whole time in the playoffs last three years. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it is just a shame that like the Islander system really doesn't allow him to, you know, showcase this offensive skill because he really has been, you know, putting it together in the playoffs. I mean, he's got, uh, according to his NHL.com stats page, he has 34 points in 43 playoff games, 11 goals, 23 assists. I mean, it's really, really, really solid. So, and I'm excited to see more of him. Um, and he's definitely one of the players I'm watching for sure and rooting for because he's just so fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, the, the other point that I had from, uh, from this series was watching Jordan Eberle be such a contributor for this team. He's, Again, he's got, I think, nine points in 13 games so far in these playoffs. He's been strong at both ends of the ice. Do you think that's a cautionary tale for the Leafs and Mitch Marner? That uh, the Oilers saw Jordan Eberle have a really rough playoff series when they've, or not playoff series, a playoff run when they made the playoffs the first time with Hunter McDavid and they just, like, decided he wasn't worth it and made a terrible trade. Like, I, I think for me, it it's not about the fact that they were wrong to trade Jordan Eberle. It's that they got no value for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, that kind of is the most important part. If you're going to give up on somebody like that, you're going to have to get something back substantial enough that makes it worth it, especially if, you know, that player that you give up on turns around and does what Jordan Eberle has done for the Islanders in these playoffs with the nine points in 13 games. And I think it very well could be. I We talked a lot about uh, Toronto before on this podcast, and we will probably talk a lot about them in the in the offseason because they're definitely one of the teams to watch this offseason. So I, there can be lessons taken from that for sure, but I think if you're going to trade a player away that, you, that you've given up on, make sure at least the return is something you can turn into maybe not a replaceable level, but something at least respectable. Um, Just don't rush it. Yeah, exactly. So... I don't know if you have anything else to say about the series. It's still young. We'll pr- uh, who knows where things are going to go from here. Um, 
if I had to guess, I think Tampa Bay takes ta- takes game two. Um, just based off, I think they'll make the necessary adjustments. And if they go uh, to new, like back to um, Nassau Coliseum with a 0-2 deficit, uh, I don't want to say it's going to be curtains for the Lightning, but it's going to be tough, especially with the way that building has been rocking this year. Absolutely incredible yeah. stuff. It's tough to count out the Lightning at any point, but like yeah. we alluded to earlier about the whole like power play, like how important the power play is for the Tampa Bay Lightning, they have scored... 16 goals with the man advantage so far these playoffs only 20 at five on five so it's almost half of their goals they also have one shorty and a couple empty netters but almost half of their goals come on the man advantage so they need those power plays yeah i think game two will be a really good litmus test for where things go from here absolutely um and if you want to and if you want to learn more about you know the two teams playing in this series can go to Locked On Islanders with Gil Martin and then Locked On Lightning with Adam Denker. Great stuff for you, uh, especially during the playoffs. All the Locked On people do really good work during the playoffs with, you know, pumping up a bunch of content. So definitely follow them if you want to learn more and want to listen to their perspectives uh, as we roll on through this playoff series. But up next, we'll be, I guess, taking it out west, sort of. Like I, like I alluded to, there's no Western Conference, but this would be the Western Conference final if it wasn't a regular year, but... You know how it is, COVID stuff, weird divisions this year. But up next, we'll take a look at the Montreal Canadiens and Vegas Golden Knights series, which will get underway on Monday evening. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. All right, so since we're down to you know the final two series before the. Stanley Cup final. The next one we have to talk about is Montreal Canadiens and Vegas Golden Knights, where we all thought we were going to be. Yes, everyone uh, heading... predicted this. <laughs> we all predicted this heading into it. And uh, just as a full warning, we are recording this on Monday before the game happens on Monday night. Uh, so we don't know the results of game one. Excited to see who wins. Uh, I would not be surprised if it's Montreal because that's kind of how they've been rolling this year. Uh, but I don't. I don't know about you, Andrew, but I don't know if they have a. If they have a realistic shot in this series, unless Carey Price stands on his head for four wins. Yeah, I think it's a similar situation to against Toronto, except for an even longer shot. Uh, the Golden Knights are just stronger than Toronto overall. And it, it becomes a series where, like, Carey Price, number one, has to outduel Marc-Andre Fleury. That's, like, mm-hmm. number one with a bullet, right? And I don't think that's... That's probably the most likely thing that will happen in the series, is that the Canadians will get better goaltending. It may not show in the save percentage because I'm assuming that Vegas is going to get the much higher quality chances, but I think that's something that can happen realistically that could extend the series longer than people expect it to be. But also, how many times are we going to write the Canadians off, right? Yeah, like, I know. It's one of those things where it's like, I feel like this happens every time they make a run like this, is that they... No one believes in them in round one. No one believes in them in round two. And then round three, people are like, oh, maybe there's something special there. And then they get trounced. It's like, it's it's a pretty familiar script that's happened a a couple times in the last decade and a bit. 
I don't think they're going to win this series. I think that they have a chance because hockey is a very random sport. And when you have mm-hmm. two, uh, a game between two teams where one significantly outmatches the other, the bad team still has like a 40% chance to win. You know, like yeah. bad, te- like not that the Canadians are even a bad team, but compared to the Golden Knights, they're just not nearly as good. They're not on the same level. No. And it's going to be really interesting if Montreal takes them down too because oh yeah the, the narratives will be insane yeah the like I it's so hard to imagine we're even at this position with possibly facing down an Islanders um Mon- like a Islanders Canadians Stanley Cup final what is year very, is it like I know what what yeah I mean the Islanders I I'm pretty sure I had them Maybe at the beginning of the year, missing the playoffs, which is a bad luck on me. But they are they are a very solidly solidly built team, and I did have Montreal being like the second best team in the North Division. But their play this regular season, you know, dissuaded me of any notion of them being good. And now look where they are. I just I feel like everything I know about hockey has been turned upside down. But you know, the Islanders, I I know people have problems with their play, but they're a team built for the playoffs. We know this. Yeah. But Montreal, of all teams, like, especially after that regular season showing, and it just still surprises me that we're here and talking about them. But a lot of that has to do with the strength of, you know, Carey Price being incredible in net, shaking off the, all the narratives people have thought about him um, through the regular season in the last couple of years. But then they've gotten some really good contributions from players like Tyler Toffoli, um is six points uh in his last five games dude has been really incredible i'm i mean what he was on what, vancouver last year right yeah vancouver yeah yeah and they and they and they let him walk and yeah jim benning you know. didn't have he said he didn't have the time to offer him a contract and, oh. he just ran out of time you know as you do yeah yeah as you do in the in the off season and yeah, I mean that just looks worse and worse from for, uh, for uh, Vancouver now that you know Tyler Toffoli continues to impress and be really good with Montreal. And I mean he's got ten points in eleven playoff games this year. And yeah, he's been incredible. And he started yeah. slow. Like it took mm-hmm. him a while to find his feet in the Toronto series. It was only game six and seven where he started becoming a real factor. And I think you add uh, like Nick Suzuki has been incredible the whole way through, pretty much. Yeah, uh, he's Cole he's, Caulfield. Yeah, he's like the, the kids are gamers, right? Oh yeah. And like adding Cole Caulfield to that line with Toffoli and Suzuki has changed things quite significantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see them getting looks that they weren't have they weren't getting before. I think Caulfield tries things that most players just don't. Uh, you know, the the series winner against uh, the Jets in overtime is a great example of that. He just like poked a puck to an area and then like moved his body around a stick and found the puck again to, to rip it over. Like he passed that puck to Toffoli so hard. It was basically a shot to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I'm... it's interesting to watch, you know, like they're a lot of their contributors that we are used to seeing being the, the thorn in the side of teams like Gallagher, he's been injured, right? So he's been, he's been getting yeah. better, but Gallagher hasn't been the score sheet factor that he usually is. That line is like the defensive line now, and they've been doing a f- superb job. Him and Philippe Deneau, and at times Jake Evans until he was hurt, and now Arturi mm-hmm. Lekkinen. Although Lekkinen, in replacing them in the last two games, has uh, two goals in two games. So, you know, it's just like that next man, it's that next man up mentality that teams always talk about. Yeah. Um, really seems to be in play here for the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, especially with the kids, too. They've really added. An incredible energy to this team, and I mean, I remember last year watching, you know, Nick Suzuki and Kakanyemi in the in the playoffs against the Flyers. 
uh, last year. And I was like, I don't want to see these guys ever again. They're too good. They're too, they're, they're so hard to play against. And like, they just make life miserable and they have the skill to match. And it's just been really fun watching them thrive on a stage like this. I really hope that we, you know, get to see more of them. And I hope they continue to showcase their, their talents here. Cause this has been a really awesome showing for Montreal. Even if they do bow out, like we think they will in these playoffs, they, they have nothing to like be ashamed of. I mean, we we talked about them in the regular season. We thought that they weren't a very good team. We like we ripped on their trade deadline acquisitions, and look at where that's gotten them at this point. It's I don't I don't know what happens next for Montreal's future if this if this you know approach is the way to go for the future. But it has certainly gotten them this far in these playoffs, and you cannot write that off at this point. Um, but it is hard to predict them in this series, and one of the reasons why is you know you've got. Max Pacioretty for the Vegas Golden Knights and his revenge tour, as you labeled it here in our document against his uh, former team in Montreal. And that is definitely a narrative that's going to be prevailing throughout the series, I am sure, especially because he has eight points in seven games in these playoffs, four goals, um, had two points in the uh, a goal and assist in that uh, series clinching victory against the Avalanche um, and really started to come alive in that series. Yeah. I mean, the the Golden Knights are a different team with Pacioretty in the lineup. It, Mark Stone is the key to that line, but Pacioretty has just been incredible. I think he's just playing such a physical brand of hockey, and his shot is just ridiculous. The one thing that I question with Max Pacioretty in this series is, because things left on very bad terms uh, with the Canadians mm-hmm. when he was traded. Things d- devolved very badly. Uh, I wonder if he wants to win this series so bad that he gets us in his own head and struggles. Because that's something that Max Pacioretty's done before, where he, he mm-hmm. wants something so bad that he grips the stick too tight and he goes on a little bit of a scoring drought. I wonder if that happens here. Uh, I, I think he will silence a lot of doubters if he plays really well. But I I, I think there's a 50-50 shot between Max Pacioretty excelling and being a non-factor in this series. And that's really interesting because Thomas Tatar on the other side of that trade, along with Nick Suzuki, but Thomas Tatar specifically has been a healthy scratch. So does mm-hmm. he get into this series at all? Like, it, he is the leading point getter for the Canadians over the last three years. You know, like he's a he's a very good player, but hasn't really found it in the playoffs this year, and yeah. has been a healthy scratch since the Toronto series. So I wonder yeah. if you know two parts of that trade become non-factors in this series. It'd be I very don't funny. think if you're Montreal, I think if you're Montreal, I don't think you mess with the mix. Oh, they until definitely it won't. stops working until it stops working. I don't think you try and hit any sort of panic emergency buttons. You just roll with what you have. You know, obviously injuries permitting, but I think you just roll with what you have. I mean, it's very possible if, you know, it comes out and, you know, Montreal's down, what, 1-0 early or, you know, two games, like down two games early in the series or whatever. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they put him in there because of, you know, the way he has performed overall um, just for Montreal, like in his past couple of years. But yeah, I I wouldn't. I don't see that happening unless, you know, Montreal takes a bit of a nosedive. But uh, yeah. I am intrigued by Pacioretty because, I mean, he has been with Vegas for, I want to say a long time because three years is a long time to me, especially with, you know, how the last year has played out. It's felt like forever. I mean, he was last on Montreal in 2017-2018. Uh, so it has been a little bit of time since then. Um, you said it that ended poorly between him and the Canadians. So it will probably be a factor, but it's not like he was on the team last year and uh, it's still fresh in his mind, but it very well could be fresh in his mind. Obviously, we don't know what he's thinking, but I think you do make a good point that he might psych himself out a little bit. But he's definitely a player to watch for me because he's been so electric in these playoffs when he has played and was definitely a major reason why 
uh, the Golden Knights were able to triumph over the Avalanche in the way they did. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if he's on his game, he's he's a very significant force that they're going to have to deal with, and it's, it's going to be tough for the Canadians to manage the the Golden Knights. I think the Golden Knights are also a different team than anything the Canadians have faced so far, where like the Jets have their top end forwards and a little bit of depth, and you know you can focus that top line on like the Ehlers, Wheeler, and... Connor line essentially in that series and sacrifice the Gallagher lines offense to just shut down that line against Toronto. Same thing. Marner Matthews Tavares was out. So they just kind of were able to weather the storm of Willie Nylander being incredible and outscore the rest of the Maple Leafs lineup here. The, the Vegas golden Knights have three lines that score, you know, like it, mm-hmm. it's going to be tough. It's a lot more depth than they've, faced i think the canadians have thrived on their depth but now they're facing a team that has the same amount of depth but better yeah and i it's definitely going to be a challenge for them i don't think it's going to be if they come out of the series it, it, to me it's going to have to be a hard fought yes you know drag it out the series i'm looking at some of the stats uh between these two teams and i didn't realize that montreal had like the number one penalty kill this year i mean how much of that has to do with Gary price I know. It's just uh, I was looking at the the stats between the two teams. And I'm like ninety percent. That's a lot. Yeah, it's incredible. Uh, but yeah, but Carey Price is definitely a big factor, in, and we touched on how it's possible to likely that Price could be the better goalie in the series. But we've seen with Toronto uh, how you know Jack Campbell was the better goalie in the series, and it didn't end in their favor uh, because they couldn't score. Yeah. So it is very possible that uh, Carey Price outplays you know, Mark andre Fleury, but I don't think that's going to be the end-all be-all. I think it's going to have to be just one piece yes. of the puzzle for Montreal here. Yeah, if, if Carey advance. Price outplays Mark andre Fleury by a significant margin, that only means that Vegas won't, like, sweep to me. Yeah. Like, that, that just means mm-hmm. that the Canadians will win one or two games. They they need their offense to kill it. They need their, their special teams to be better than Vegas, which in the playoffs so far they have been, but they also haven't played a Colorado Avalanche or even a, a Minnesota Wild in terms of, like, that yeah. defensive structure so far. I think you brought up the penalty kill being at 90%. That is one major factor, especially with how much the Golden Knights uh, power play has struggled. So the Canadians might be able to play a a style where they're not too worried about taking penalties and they can take some liberties. Mm -hmm. And also, the Canadians are the only team in the playoffs this year with more than one shorthanded goal. They've got three plus an empty netter in a four versus six situation. So like everyone else only has one. Vegas has one. Tampa has one. The Islanders have zero. So watch out for the Canadians shorthanded. Yeah, for sure. And if you want to learn more about the Canadians as, you know, they go through this series, you can check out Locked on Canadians with a uh, friend of the pod, I think, uh, Laura Saba and Scott Malta. Matla. Friends of ours. Matla. Matla. Matla? <laughs> yes. Sorry, Scott. Sorry. He's used to it. I, we used to call him Scoot all the time. Aw, buddy. Or Scort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. I just can't read. I'm very bad at reading and pronouncing things, as you probably all know from this podcast already. But friends of the pod, we love them. Hopefully we'll have them on again, because it was fun to talk to Laura that one time um, when we did the trade deadline show. That was mm-hmm. cool. Uh, but you can also check out Locked on Golden Knights with Carlo Gonzalez uh, for more information about, you know, how Vegas stands, what's up with what's up with Marc-Andre Fleury, how things are going to go. Like I said, the Locked on people do Great work in these playoffs, you know, putting out content on a daily basis for you. So definitely check them out if you would like to learn more about this series as we, you know, head on to the Stanley Cup final shortly. Because it's it's going to be a good time, I think, Andrew. Absolutely. Uh, but coming up next is our favorite segment, our pop culture roulette. But first, we'll have to talk to you about one of our sponsors. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the new improved Built Bar is even deliciouser. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor? 
If you don't know the Bilt Bar flavors well, you're missing out, as you've got coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. There's something for everyone with Bilt Bar, and you haven't tr- if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Bilt Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Bilt Bar is great for any health-conscious person, as you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Most of the flavors have 17 grams protein, only 130 calories, only 4 grams sugar, and only 4 grams net carbs. But a couple of the other flavors have 18 grams protein, just 180 calories, just 5 grams net sugar, and 5 grams net carbs. Nine amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Order today and get that raspberry or mint brownie, or whatever you'd like. I know when Andrew and I eventually get our uh, built bars uh, for being part of the Locked On Podcast Network, I'm very much looking forward to that peanut butter brownie. I'm very much a chocolate and peanut butter person. I know that's not for everyone, but I'm very much looking forward to trying uh, one of their uh, peanut butter brownie bars. But all bars are covered in 100% chocolate and are soft and easy to chew. So go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, Andrew, coming into the tail end of the show, got some pop culture to talk about. I don't know if you want to go first, sure. because uh, we both watched what you watched, but I will let you take the lead in. Okay, yeah, I, I wasn't seen. sure if you were able to get to it yet, but yeah. No, I was, yeah. Uh, spoiler warning, I guess, for anybody who hasn't watched Loki on Disney+, Plus, the first episode. Uh, I really liked the first episode. I did, yeah. I thought there it was, was uh, quite the tour de force of acting from Tom Hiddleston. I saw a lot of people mm-hmm. kind of missing some of the points uh in that series, they're saying, like, oh, well, his acting wasn't very good in that episode. He kept on, like, looking unsure of himself. And he's like, yeah, guys, Loki was unsure of himself because mm-hmm. everything about his entire psychology was being challenged by being in this in the TVA and being completely depowered, no longer a god. I thought it was just an, an incredible start to a series. I've seen some people criticize it was, like, too much exposition, but I'm a sucker for exposition. I love it. I love backstory. <laughs> I always have. I love... Well, it's good. That's why it's I love RPGs, right? Like, I'm the, I'm yeah. the loser who sits there and plays, uh, like, a game with, like, collectibles, and, like, the collectibles have, like, readable part, parts. I'm like, I'm going to read every single one of these. <laughs> you know, like... And you get all the world lore, and exactly. you know everything. And, yeah, I mean, I do, like, enjoy doing that type of stuff, too. And I really did enjoy it. It gives me... Like, I, I think we talked about it. It gives me more, like, WandaVision feels. Yes. Uh, with the way the series is designed. I mean, it's got, like... It's got like a very retro, it's like, like a, a retro feel vibe. to it. Yeah, it's a really, really neat vibe to it. Um, because, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was obviously the more modern vibe. It felt like more like a procedural, which I enjoyed, but I definitely was really looking forward to, you know, more of the Marvel weird stuff. And this is definitely in that vein of the weird stuff. And, you know, introducing some new concepts we haven't seen before in the Marvel universe and, you know, how things will play out. And I'm really looking forward to it. And, you know, Tom Hiddleston did a great job acting, I thought. Um, there were a few references I didn't get um, just because I I never heard of the D.B. Cooper thing. Completely missed that. You've never sure heard of D.B. Cooper? No, no. What? And then I had to look it up after. I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, I know. I know. I Apparently, it bypassed me in the pop culture sphere. I don't know why. I don't know how. I... <laughs> It really confused me the first time I saw it. I'm like, this has to be a reference to something else. And apparently it was. And I just didn't get it. I, Yeah, even my sister knew it. And I'm like, man, I guess I really am not cultured in pop culture as much as I thought I was. It's but one there of those, are def- like, I, I great have, mysteries of our time. I have blind spots, I will say, for sure, in terms of pop culture. Uh, but I really did enjoy it. And like I said, I enjoyed the vibe. I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes next. It's a, it's a 
what is it, six episodes? Yeah. Or something yeah. like that? Although this is so, the first one that they're not marketing as a miniseries. Like, uh, mm. the rumor is that they've already started production on season two. Ooh. Interesting, because WandaVision, I'd love, to, I'd love to have seen more of it, but I know it is only a miniseries, and that is unfortunate, but I know that's the way it kind of works. Uh, but this gives me hope that they're going to continue doing more of that weird stuff, because this is definitely seeped in that weird, weird juice. And I am looking forward to it and really excited. And, I mean, Owen Wilson did a great job, too. I mean, yeah, he usually hams it up, like, when he's, you know, on screen. And I think he did a good job straddling the line between, you know, but ham, but also serious at some points and you know i think he played well with uh, well off of tom hiddleston and i'm looking forward to seeing where that dynamic goes from here yeah absolutely i think that there's potential for owen wilson to kind of become a parody of himself because he is <laughs> such an imitatable character and like, yes. i don't know if you've ever seen but tom hiddleston does an owen wilson impression <laughs> it's all over youtube if you look it up and i oh, i just yeah, hope okay. that during like in between takes that they were just both talking as owen wilson to each other it'd just mm -hmm. be great but i, I think this is the potential for this series is off the charts and I know like I've seen some negative reaction to it in terms of like uh, in, in the scene with the infinity stones and mm -hmm. the guy, the one guy saying that they use them as like paperweights uh, <laughs> and people are like, Oh, I can't believe they would like negate the importance of the sacrifice of Endgame." And But like guys, if you read the comics, which is where all this source material comes from, the infinity stones only work in the dimension that they were created in. The TVA is outside of our dimension, so they wouldn't work. This is canon. So if you think you're the nerd guy who's mad at uh, the MCU for breaking with uh, tradition with the comics, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. They're <laughs> we doing love it. The it. Right we way. love to see it. Yeah, we love to see that SmackDown. Andrew knows more pop culture than you. <laughs> uh, but I saw this weekend, uh, my pop culture thing is I watched In the Heights with my family this weekend, the movie musical from Lin-Manuel Miranda, obviously of Hamilton fame. Um, I didn't get to see it in theaters like I wanted um, because we were, you know, tired and exhausted from our, you know, hanging out with family this weekend. So we sat down and watched it on HBO Max and I really enjoyed it. Um, this was the musical he did before Hamilton took off. I'd actually seen it in college uh, when I uh, was at Penn State. It, a touring production came to Penn State and I got to see it there. So I was, I have been introduced to this music and this world and this, uh, this show before. Uh, so... I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's the same as Hamilton, but this was the show that he had done before Hamilton and, you know, before things took off. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a very good adaptation. There were things that were changed and, you know, some songs that I wish they made it in that didn't make it in. But overall, I really enjoyed it. The cast was joyous and infectious. I, the music was fantastic. Um, it took a line between um, being a very realistic depiction and then also, you know, having more fantastical dreamlike elements, which was really cool to see. Um, it's basically about a neighborhood uh, in New York called Washington Heights and like the stories of people in there and it had really cool representation. The songs are great. Uh, I definitely recommend it um, if you're looking for, a, I guess, a summer movie because it is all about, you know, a summer in Washington Heights where, you know, power is uh, limited, blackouts happen, um, the story of family, friends, love. It's a, just, it's a very feel good emotional story. Uh, and I very much enjoyed the movie adaptation. I definitely will watch it uh, again and definitely have been listening to the soundtrack from this movie uh, since I have watched it. And I very much enjoyed it. And I don't know about you, Andrew, if you're a musical person, but I very much am a musical person. I grew up very close to New York, uh, so I have seen a bunch of Broadway shows in my lifetime. And I very much miss musical theater. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to see this in theaters to capture the same, you know, musical magic. Uh, since we've been since that's been you know lost for so long in my life but uh 
I don't know about you if you're a musical fan, Andrew. I never used to be, but my wife, who, you know, back when she was my girlfriend, when we were like 16 years old, heavily into musicals and just like over time started to get me to watch more. And I love musicals now. Good. Do you have a favorite? Uh, I mean, it's probably like the popular thing to say, but I, I really enjoy Hamilton. Great soundtrack. Always bangs. Yeah. Uh I don't know if I have any other favorites. I feel like part of it is like I just want to go down to New York and watch like every Broadway play, but I can't afford that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, like I said, I was very lucky to have grown up very close to uh, New York in the Philadelphia area. So um, not only would I be able to see shows in Philly when they would come to touring, like with touring productions, but, um, you know, I wouldn't have to pay for hotels. We would just go for a day trip and we would, you know, for a Christmas gift, yeah. we would get, you know. Uh, tickets play. to see a show yeah yeah uh my favorite is probably the sound of music it's one of my favorite movies i love the sound of music i love the i love the music the you know the the plot julie andrews is my favorite um but i also really love the music man too because that was actually the first musical i did as a kid growing up so i have very fond memories of that music uh so some classic musicals but you know i enjoy the hamiltons the lame is wicked you know all the all the i guess more modern musicals uh yeah lame is is the one it. that i couldn't do Really? Yeah, it's so long. It's long, but the music is really good. Oh, it's just so long. Oh, oh, Andrew. Breaks my heart, but that's okay. I'll, I'll love Lame is for the both of us. It's just the songs are... It is long, but the songs are really good. Yeah. I get it, though. It, it can be a bit slow in places, but the music is just perfection. Yeah, I watched the movie. Uh, Russell Crowe was not the right casting. I'll yeah, you need to watch, like, um, you would need to watch, like, the the anniversary versions of that where they just sing the songs instead of doing the whole you know song yeah. and dance with all the props and stuff because uh, that's where the the true musical talent lies no offense well and i think there's something to be said for a play being seen live right like it's musical theater oh absolutely for a like you can capture some of it some of what's special about it in like a, a taping or or a movie adaptation but the reason why like when hamilton went on disney plus i saw a lot of people saying like oh well this is gonna kill broadway if they put musicals on online that you can see anywhere i think it's gonna help you know because oh, oh, it, it just it piques interest and then people want to go there and see it live a live audience for a musical is just next level it is and musical theater should 100 percent be more accessible 100%. Uh, stuff like stuff like uh putting hamilton on disney plus we absolutely should have more of that uh because broadway is the most inaccessible medium out there yeah and we should give it to more people and experience the joy of musical theater live or via a taping. It absolutely should be said. I've been on this platform for years, uh, so this is something very near and dear to my heart. But I definitely think that's something we can talk about uh, at another time because we've run out of time for today. But, you know, wanted to spread the joy and love of musical theater out for you all of you guys. But I think that's all the time we have for you today on the Crosstrek NHL Show. It's part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Make sure to follow us on your podcast platform of choice, from Apple to Odyssey to Spotify, and rate and review us while you're at it. You can follow the pod at CrosscheckNHL on Twitter, me at Mary C. Clark on Twitter, and Andrew at Andrew Berkshire on Twitter. We'll be back on Thursday with some more Puck Talk. See you next time. Get all the sports news you need in another 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.